In Jesus' name we have prayed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's have our seat. Amen. Now I want to begin by reminding or telling us, rather, because some of us are not aware that every single thing that God is doing here in this place today, you know, not only not only that you you learn this truth, not only that you come to the knowledge of what God is, is, is teaching us or is leading us into, but that you yourself will be equipped to teach others the same thing that you've learned. Hallelujah. So, as much as is given to you, God desire that you become good at what you've been taught and then you also go on and teach others. Amen. Please, let's have our attention together. 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I read from verse 1. Paul was, was speaking to his, his child here. He says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Yes, continue verse 2. And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Hallelujah. So what Paul has taught Timothy, what Paul has instructed Timothy, he desired that Timothy will entrust it to faithful men. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, not something else. Hallelujah. Not something else. Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So the criteria for, you know, teaching others, first of all, he says, commit it to, to faithful men, men that are faithful. Men that are trustworthy. People that you can trust. Hallelujah. For the university to trust you at the end of your four years, five years, they might have given you a certain level of information. They believe at this level, you can go and, and manifest the information we put in you. You can go and practice. You can go and not only practice, but be empowered to do what? To also teach others. Hallelujah. So, it is to be committed to faithful men. Who shall be, who shall be able to what, teach others also? So this information you are receiving in the course of this meeting is not only to, to bless you. It's not only to encourage you or to make you understand. You know, of course, we have to understand all that we have in Christ Jesus. But not only that, that we also will be equipped to lead other people into this understanding. Hallelujah! We receive the gospel. And necessity laid upon us to do what to preach the gospel. 
as we go to preach the gospel, we also raise disciples. And the same thing to which we've been taught, God is expecting us to do what? To teach others. So if you will be a teacher of these things that we have been taught in this season, then you have to learn it well. Hallelujah. You have to do what? You have to learn it well. You have to give yourself to it. So that you will be empowered. You will be able to what? Teach others. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Verse 3. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuit since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. In the beginning of this program, I said something. I said, God is recruiting men. Or rather, was it yesterday? I think it's, yeah. The word comes in that God is recruiting men. You know. God is recruiting men into his service. And then, no soldier when in service gets entangled in the enterprises of civilian life. His aim is to do what? Is to satisfy and please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first fruit or the first share of the crops. Think over what I say. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Hallelujah. So first of all, Paul, you know, mentioned a soldier, an athlete, and a farmer. Amen. And all this is geared towards teaching Timothy about the Christian faith. A soldier does not own himself. Amen? A soldier does not own himself. He doesn't do things, you know, just the way he wants them to, to be done. Yesterday I was speaking to one of my friends that we grew up for together. He's one of the military, you know, branch of the armed forces in Nigeria. And he, he, was, he was posted to the border between Nigeria and one of the countries around. And I asked him, I said, now that you left your family and you are here, how long will you be staying? He said, actually, he doesn't know. That they, he came to the post and he found someone that had been there for six months. He said, so you mean you just be there and then you don't even know when you'll be transferred? He said, yes. He said, ah, this is what it means to belong to the government. You are just like a property. Hallelujah. You have a family, but you don't even, your family doesn't even have a right over you. Hallelujah. You are giving away to what? To the government. So a soldier doesn't just do what he wishes to do, but he does what would please the one who has enlisted him, his commander. Hallelujah. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. There are rules that have been set for us. There is a principle by which we could operate, we can operate, we should operate. So it's... You can see in... In a relay, right, race, many of us are familiar with, at, at, you know, the athletes who run. You can't run and then enter somebody's lane. And then, you know, expected to be given the crown. Or you can't start running and then you are punching your competitors, you know. 
there are rules set on ground. There are rules, there are principles that must be obeyed in order to, to be crowned at the end, to be rewarded in the end. Hallelujah. And then it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. You know, the farmer has to be hardworking. He has to put a lot of responsibility. He has to put a lot of work into, you know, what he's doing as a farmer. Hallelujah. Then yesterday, we were looking at a text in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. It says, verse 7, it says, no, let me read from verse 3. Consider him who endured from sinners. Now, the soldier has to endure, isn't it? The farmer has to be patient and endure. The athlete has to do what? To endure. Hallelujah. Consider him who endured from sin and such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as what? As sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when he reproves, when reproves by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Hallelujah. And I said yesterday that this discipline, this chastisement is not punishment. It's training. Amen? It's training. The Lord loves you. That is why he trains you. He equips you with information. He equips you with the knowledge. Verse 7, it is for discipline that you have that you have to endure it is for discipline that you have to what you have to endure hallelujah you have to endure discipline god is not god is treating you as sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline if you are left without discipline in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides, we have had earthly parents, fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirit and live? For they discipline us for a short time, as it seems best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share in His holiness. Verse 11. For the moment, for a moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. To those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your dropping hands and strengthen your weakness and make straight path for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed hallelujah hallelujah so that is admonition for us this morning as we go into the world as we go into all the things we'll be doing we have to endure amen the discipline the training hallelujah
Yesterday we started talking about discipleship. And I want us to read those key scriptures again. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28 verse 16. Or rather, let's begin with the one in Mark. Mark chapter 16 verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Hallelujah. First of all, there is an instruction to do what? To go. To go. We have to go. It's not a suggestion. It's an instruction. It's a commandment to go. Hallelujah. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord walked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Hallelujah. And then we also, you know, look at Matthew 28. Where we base our teaching about discipleship. Matthew 28 verse 16. The same you know, story here. He says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Hallelujah. So, I want to begin by saying discipleship has a process. Amen. Continuing from understanding what discipleship from yesterday, discipleship has a process. Because the conformity to his image will not take place in one experience. Hallelujah. The conformity to the image of Jesus Christ will not take place at one experience. Remember, what we're talking about here is the conduct of the believer. Amen. We're talking about what? The conduct of the believer. The moment you became a Christian, you are one with him. Hallelujah. You are of the same stock with him. You are of the same quality. You are of the same identity. You are of the same image with him. You've been brought into union with him. 
Amen. But in your conduct, there is a transformation that happens in your life. So this process of conformity in his image will not take place in one experience. It consists of systematic steps. So some of us want to just wake up one day and then, you know, our life is transformed in a single... No, that is not how it happens. Hallelujah. You are familiar with what we used to say here, that when you became born again, your spirit man is new. Hallelujah. You are completely new. You are born again, and then your spirit is born again, but your body is not born again. Your mind, you know, has to be transformed. Your mind cannot be born again. It has to be transformed by the word of God. Amen. So as you are, you are born again and you are perfect before God. But then there's a transformation that happens in your life to conform to the identity of who is inside. Hallelujah. So it's a process. It consists of systematic steps of exposures and training carefully arranged in order until God's goal is achieved. Carefully arranged, systematically, one step to another. Some of us, when we became born again, the first thing we want to do is that we started, we want to begin to see ourselves do many, many, many things. You know, when a man gets born again, the first thing he should, he should learn is how to walk in the reality of the new life. Amen? To understand your identity, to know what has happened to you, first of all, you have to know what has happened to you. It's from one step to another. Systematically. In this kingdom, the training in this kingdom is systematic. When you go to school, you know, they didn't start teaching you 300 level stuff at year one. Because they know that there are basics you need to learn. Introduction. Most of the courses you do in your first year are introductory courses. Amen? And from there, you are moved to higher level of knowledge, exposure, and experience in your school. So also in the spirit... It's a process. It's a systematic process of training and of exposure. Carefully arranged in order until God's goal is achieved in your life. Now, I want to make this clear that it is not a program. Discipleship is not a program. It's not a program nor a course that you enroll into. Oh, I have this goal of finishing this in the next three weeks. You know, after these three weeks, I've, I've, I've been discipled. You know, then I'll now go for a master class in another discipleship. That is not what we do here. It's not in form of, you know, what you do in school. It's not a course, nor an activity, but a relationship. Hallelujah. A relationship that, that starts and does not end. Amen. It's a process that does not end until the day we see the Lord. So there wouldn't be a day that you wake up and say, today I'm not a disciple. I've graduated from discipleship. I'm no longer a disciple. You can never outgrown being a disciple of Jesus Christ. So it's not a course that you are trying to run quickly so that you can finish and have a certificate. No. It is a life connection which is not physical or visible. The flow of divine life the new lifestyle in exchange for the old lifestyle. As you keep growing, you keep progressively in your work with God, you know, you see that there's, 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 there's an impartation of the divine life. The, the divine life that is already in you begins to manifest in the physical. Hallelujah. 
and some things that were in manifestation the physical cease anything that is not in line with who you are inside begins to cease to exist to function now this exchange of lifestyle involves most of the time falling and rising so in the course of your discipleship experience with God there will be time that you you fall hallelujah amen you know I remember what pastor used to tell us pastor Victor that in Christ we have the liberty to fail amen we have the liberty to do what to fail the baby there trying to learn how to walk sometimes will walk and then will fall but it doesn't mean that the baby should just remain falling there and say oh I can't walk again because I have fallen Hallelujah. It's a process that you, first of all, must be patient with yourself. Amen. God is patient with you. God believes in you. God believes in the process that he's walking you through. So sometimes it will involve falling and rising. <coughs> falling and what? And rising. Correction and weeping. Not weeping like crying. Weeping. Hallelujah. Correction. If you don't like correction, I'm telling you, you cannot grow. In fact, you will not enjoy the Christian work because it's a lifetime of correction. Amen. Correcting you until you look like Jesus. See, the supreme, we'll talk about it later, the goal of discipleship is that when they look at Jesus Christ, they will look, they will look at you in the physical that you look exactly like him. Amen. Remember the, the Christians, when they were first called Christians in, 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 in Antioch, right? They couldn't, they couldn't differentiate Jesus. In fact, even when they came to arrest Jesus Christ, they didn't even know who is Jesus. He has to be identified with the kids. That we all walk to a level that we, when they talk about Jesus, they're talking about us. There's no any dissimilarity between us in the physical we are made perfect inside, amen. But the perfection must come out to be seen and be to seen visibly. So this exchange of lifestyle, as I said, involves most time falling and rising, correction, weeping. You may sometimes weep and bleed, crying. I remember some some years ago, I was talking to somebody in a discipleship meeting. We were talking, learning, and teaching, and. As I was talking, I reached a certain stage that I, I look at the person's countenance. She just was just staring at me and she busted into crying. And she was wailing so heavily. How can I tell her that this thing is not right? I said, sorry, I'm not the one saying that it's not right. It's the word of God. Because it confronted a very fundamental doctrine. That she has been taught by people she respected. She has been taught by people that even her parents, her father is a clergy, has, has raised her in this understanding. And the moment the light was shown to her, it broke her completely. You know, completely she was shattered. She was just crying and then she said, Sir, I'm not doing it again. That was how she packed her Bible and she left. I smiled. I said, this is normal. After two, three days, she called me. She came back saying, Sir, Actually, I went and I prayed about it. I read it again. I studied and I, and I discovered that what you are saying is true. Hallelujah. So sometimes the truth of God will confront you this way. What you know, what you used to hold. Like some yesterday, you know, there are so many people here. They didn't believe that they could prophesy. 
They didn't believe that they themselves, you know, can function in the gift of the Spirit. And all as the truth comes, it confronts us. Sometimes it means us, it will break us. Hallelujah. But it's not breaking us to destroy us. It's breaking us to make us. Amen. So we must be what vulnerable to the truth of God's word and this process that he's walking us through. It can be painful to bend to a new shape and focus. A man who is set on his old ways of living. It calls for a very close association with the master. Amen. It could be difficult to burn a man that has already had a life. See, before you came to Christ or before, before you come to this faith, your life, you've been living a certain kind of life before. Amen. If you were into, you know, alcoholism, the day you give your life to Christ does not mean that they deserve hunger for all, you know, the tests, your body physically. Inside you, there will be no desire to do those things. Amen. But then physically, your body is accustomed to alcohol. Hallelujah. So it will take training because you train yourself to like it, to drink it. So it will require what? Training in the world. Okay? It's not by willpower. I, no, I cannot do this. No, no. It's training the Spirit of God, training you to say no to every form of ungodliness. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6. For whom the love, the Lord loveth, he what? He's chasteneth. Give me New King James. This scotch is very, it looks very, uh, what do you call it? Very scary. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scotches every son whom he what? He receives. NLT. 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 For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes. No, I don't like this word punishes. I think he's not, he cannot be punished. For the Lord disciplines and corrects. Yes, this is what I'm looking for. Those whom he loves and he punishes every son whom he receives and welcomes to his heart. Amen. Psalms 118 verse 18. Just buttressing the things that we've said about, you know, being disciplined, being, 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 being confronted with the truth. This is the psalmist said, the Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Hallelujah. The Lord has what? He has chastened me severely. Right? But what has he not done? He's not given me over to death. So what God is walking you through, the training is walking you through, is not the one that will end your life. Amen? But it's the one that will produce his life in you. It will not end your life, but it will produce the life of God coming to manifestation in your, in your through, through, through you. Hallelujah. Job chapter 5 verse 17. Happy is the man whom God corrects. Amen. Happy or blessed is that man, that woman, whom the Lord does what? He corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Hallelujah. Do not do what? Despise.
despise, do not overlook, do not put to nothing the discipline and the training of the Lord. For he bruises, but what? But he binds up. He wounds, but he hands, but his hands make whole. Hallelujah. I remember a story, this true life story, of a young man who injured himself in an accident, a car accident. You know, and then he was taken to the hospital, another hospital. You know, these traditional hospitals where they do bones, all these fractures. So when they took this man to the hospital, young man, they tied, they banded the wound and everything. But then after two, three, two, six weeks thereabout, he was experiencing severe pain. Seven weeks, eight weeks, two months, three months, he was still experiencing pain. So they took him to another hospital, to an expert. So immediately the doctor just looked at the leg. He knew that they, did, they didn't fix, they fixed it wrongly. Hallelujah. So he now had to break the leg again. It's painful, right? He had to break the leg again. As far as the patient is concerned, this is wickedness. This is too painful. This is, this is, this is a painful experience. He's so heartless. But he was not just breaking it because he wants to break it. Hallelujah. He was breaking it so that he would do what? He would mend it and make it straight and make it properly. So many times we think God is crushing us. So many times we think God is, is exposing us to, you know, experiences so unbearable to us. But the essence, right, is to make us, hallelujah, is to make us, is to build us into that image of his son. Hallelujah. For he bruises, but he binds up. He wounds, but he, he, his hands make whole. The desire of God is to make us whole. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 11. Say, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. Hallelujah. There's a possibility to detest correction. You don't like correction in the world, even when they show you that this thing is wrong. You know, you just, yeah, you just do not detest correction. For whom the Lord loves, he what? He corrects. Just as the father, the son in whom he delights. Hallelujah. So the reason why God is disciplining you, is correcting you, is teaching you, is training you, is because he delights in you. You are the delight of the Lord. Hallelujah. In, in, God is pleased with you. Amen. Now, he's not correcting you so that he will be pleased with you. He's already pleased with you. That is why he's correcting you. Hallelujah. God already loves you, right? That is why he's correcting you and training you. The training is not what makes God loves you. Because he has already loved you. Even while you were wild in your sins, the Bible says that he, he died for us. He gave up himself for us while we are yet sinners. Hallelujah. 
So, discipleship involves direct encounters and interactions with the master himself. Since it is a relationship, right? Since it is a relationship, it involves a direct encounter with the master. And interactions with the master himself. And how do we do this interaction? Firstly, through prayer. Hallelujah. Through prayers. Through the word in his word. In service. And following in his footsteps. That is obedience. Hallelujah. If you're a disciple and you don't like prayer, I don't know how you're going to, you're going to grow. Amen. And when I say prayer, I'm not just saying that you coming to tell God all you want God to do for you. But where you interact with God, you fellowship with God, you speak to God and God is speaking to you. Where you learn how to hear God and you continue in the practice of hearing him. Hallelujah. Where you are exposed to his word, to the scriptures, because that is the instrument by which he uses in training us. Where you are given to following in his footsteps. John chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those, to the Jews, those Jews who believe in him, if you abide in my word, right? Please give me uh, Amplified here. I love this translation, this part of the scripture in Amplified. It says, so Jesus was saying to the Jews who had be believed in him, which means that they believe in what he was teaching. They believe in him as the Messiah. If you abide in my word, continually obeying my teachings and living accordance, in accordance with them, then you are truly what? My disciples. Amen. If you say you are a disciple and then you don't abide, you don't dwell. And this abiding means to continually obey my teachings and living according to them then that is what makes you a true disciple of Christ. Hallelujah. And you will know the truth regarding salvation. Amen. You will know the truth. You will know all the realities you have in Christ. You will come to the full knowledge of, see, salvation is a package. Amen. That contains a lot, a lot, and a lot in it. And it is in continuing in the things, the teachings of the Lord. Continuing in, the, in, his, in obeying his instructions, that will come to this place where we are able to be acquainted with all that is content in salvation. And the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. From the penalty of sin. Amen. Amen. Jump to chapter 15 of the same John, from verse 8. John 15 verse 8. My father is glorified and honored by this. When you bear much fruit and prove yourself to be my true disciples. Firstly, we saw that one of the proof that you are a true disciple is that you what? You abide in his word. Hallelujah. You abide in his word. You live according to the instruction of the Lord. And one again, another proof is that what? That we bear fruits. Hallelujah. That we become fruitful, that the manifestation of, of, of what is inside of us is seen in the physical. Hallelujah. That we are fruitful. God is glorified and is honored by our fruitfulness. 
it proves that we are truly his disciples. Verse 9. I have loved you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. Amen. Some of us, when situation changes, we doubt whether God truly loves us. When we receive correction and rebuke, we, we doubt the love of God. Have you ever asked, have you ever, you know, questioned whether your father loves you? Me, when I was growing, I used to question my, whether my father truly is my father. You know, there was a time he punished me to the point that I was wondering whether I was adopted. Amen. I believe that my mom is my true mom and my dad. I doubt. Because sometimes it does as if he doesn't like me at all. You know, but in the end, you know, when I was growing, I discovered that ah, my father truly loves me. And sometimes, you know, because of love, they could overdo the correction. Amen. But God knows appropriately how to deal with us because He was the one that created us. He knows our strength. He knows our weaknesses. He knows our, how fragile we are. Hallelujah. He knows how weak we could be. And he wouldn't allow anything beyond our strength. Any temptation, any trial that will supersede the strength that he has already put in us. Hallelujah. So I say, I love you just as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love and do not doubt my love for you. I know strongly in my heart that this is God's word for somebody. Don't doubt because of experience the love of God for you. Hallelujah. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments and obey my teaching, you will remain in my love. How to remain in the love of God is what? Is to continue in the teachings. Is to remain faithful to the teaching of his word. You will remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and remain in his love. Hallelujah. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21. First Peter 2 21. For as a believer, you have been called for this purpose. Since Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you may follow in his footsteps. Amen. So Christ has suffered and he has brought to us, he has brought us into a you know, living an example. He has given us the scriptures to learn from him. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to note also that discipleship for each person is unique and peculiar to the individual. Hallelujah. It's unique, right? And peculiar to you as an individual. The pace, the instrumentality, the arrangement of the lessons and dealings as determined by the master is also unique. Why? Because we are unique. Our experiences are different. Amen? So our trainings are patterned to us, individual to our uniqueness. You know in the university, when they are teaching us, they teach us all the same. They give us the same exams. Amen? They don't care whether you school in Nigeria or you school in Zimbabwe. They expect you to know at the same level. They expect you to learn at the same pace. They don't care about your uniqueness. But God loves you. Hallelujah. So your process is unique to you. Amen. Even though it is the same curriculum to everybody that everybody must pass through. 
but it's tailored down to your uniqueness because God understands you. Hallelujah. It's unique to you. The path each must tread to glory, the portion of service and talent allotted to him is also unique. No discipline, no disciple rather should compare Christ's dealings with him with another disciple's experience with Christ. The essence of me mentioning this is so that we will not begin to compare ourselves with one another. Amen? Because when you begin to compare within yourselves, oh, this person is this, this person is this, then it will not lead to growth. Hallelujah. Our comparison is with the image of Christ. Amen? How much more have I aligned to the image of Christ? Not to my, not to other disciples. Amen? Not, of course, we can be encouraged by the growth we see in other believers. Hallelujah. But God's training for us is unique. Even as we are here in church, all of us are here. Listen to the word. But what God is speaking to you as an individual is unique from what God is saying, telling another person. Hallelujah. You know why? Because our needs are unique. Amen. Our levels of growth and development is unique. We are not all at the same level of information. Hallelujah. What Pastor Kola is receiving, right, is entirely different from one, what someone will be receiving when he, today is just born again today. Hallelujah. But all is tailored as what at our growth and at our de development. Amen. So we must not go into this sense of competition, you know. You know, it's not a competition. To, to whom much is given, much is required. Hallelujah. Now let's consider, you know, Christ's dealings with Peter. John 21, verse 15 to 21. Let's look at something. John 21, verse 15 to 25. So when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others? do with total commitment and devotion? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. With deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Hallelujah. What did Jesus tell him? Feed my lambs. Again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with total commitment and devotion? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. With deep personal affection as for a a close friend, Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. The next time, he said to him, the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me with a deep personal affection for me as for a close friend? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you really love me with a deep personal affection as for a close friend? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you with a deep personal affection as for a close friend. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Hallelujah. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, when you were younger, you dressed up yourself and walked wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will be stretched out your, your hands and arms and someone else will dress you and carry you where you, you do not wish to go. Verse 19. Now he said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. After saying this, he said to him, follow me. The same path of life that I have walked. Hallelujah. 
What is the instruction for him? The previous verse, please. Follow me, right? Follow me. Walk the same path of life that I have walked. Now, in the next verse, you see what Peter will do now. The next verse is where I want us to, to fix our attention. Then Peter turned and saw the disciples whom Jesus loved, following him, following them. That is John, right? The one whom also has leaned back on his chest at the supper and has said, Lord, who is, who is it that is going to betray you? So when Peter saw him, he asked Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What is his future? Amen? Now look at the response of God, of Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, if I want him to stay alive until I come again, what is that to you? What is your business? Amen? What is your business? You, what happened? Follow me. Hallelujah. You, what? Follow me. And many times we want to focus on others. Oh Lord, what about this person? You know, sometimes a message is coming, you'll be thinking, wow, this message, this message will be nice for this person. It's not nice for anybody, it's for you. Hallelujah. God's dealing is for you. It's peculiar to you. It's you God is speaking to. Sometimes we, want, we don't want to mind our business. We are so much concerned about others. Amen? So Peter is a case study here. Is a focus here. Not Say you follow me. Our responsibility is to follow. The next verse, verse 23. So this word went out among the brothers that this disciple John was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say to him, he was not going to die. But only if I want him to stay alive until I come again. What is that to you? 24. This is the same disciple who is testifying of these things that has recorded them. And we know without any doubt that his testimony is true. The last verse, verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were recorded one by one, I suppose that even the whole, the whole world itself could not contain the books that will be written. Hallelujah. So this is Paul's, God, Jesus is dealing with who? With Peter, right? With Peter. Now let's look at Thomas. John chapter 20, verse 19. So we look at how, you know, it seems as though, you know, Jesus was harsh with Peter, right? He was very direct with Peter. Peculiar to him and the assignment, peculiar to him with his level of exposure and experience with Jesus Christ. Now let's look at Thomas. In John chapter 20 verse 19. So when it was evening on that same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting, please give me NKJV so that it will faster. Yes. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sight. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jump to verse, um, verse 24. Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Hallelujah. I didn't know where he went. We cannot speculate where he went to. But we know that he was not there, right? Hallelujah. So as we are here, let us not be somewhere. Let our mind be here. Amen. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. 
So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the prince of the nails, and put my finger into the prince of his nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You see? He has unbelief issue, right? And after eight days, his disciples were again inside. And Thomas with them. This time around, they didn't miss this encounter. Hallelujah. Thomas was there. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be to you. Hallelujah. Then he said to Thomas, you see, Jesus understood them that there are different levels of understanding, of faith, of, of growth. Look at the response of Jesus to him. Reach out your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my sight. Do not be unbelieving but believing. Hallelujah. Do you see the patience of Jesus Christ with, with Thomas? Entirely different from his dealing with, with Peter. Amen. Verse 28. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. Jesus says to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet what? Believe. Hallelujah. Blessed is the one who have not, who have not yet seen, but what? But believed. But Jesus was patient to show him so that he can believe. Amen. So now what I'm pointing out, I'm trying to show to us is that God's dealing is unique with us. And he understands our weaknesses. Right? And is able to help us in our weaknesses. Amen. He knows what we need. So we can trust him. We can trust the process. Hallelujah. Now, discipleship is not a spurious kind of a thing. I've mentioned this earlier on, that it is not something that is spurious. It is systematic and cumulative. It is ordered and arranged by the Lord himself. He exposes the individual disciple to diverse experiences at various times and stages of his development. He gives due meat in due season. Amen. He gives due meat in due season. Some of us, there are some level of spiritual activities we want to be involved. You are a young preacher, you know, you want to be on TV. You want to be on social media. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's wrong. If that is what God is telling you to do, it's okay. Amen? But you must understand there are some certain things that God must do in your life. If God has not dealt with you, have not trained you on how to handle fame, how to handle, you know, exposure to the world, he himself will not permit you to go into some level of manifestation. Do you know why? Because it will kill you. Hallelujah. Step by step, we move into knowledge. We already have, in fact, see, we have that capacity in us. There's endless possibilities, as I always say, in us. But we must be walk through the process of understanding these things where we can value them. Amen? That there will not be a hindrance to us. That we ourselves will not be a hindrance to God. Hallelujah. So, it's cumulative and it's systematic in our dealings. He gives us, you know, the meat in the season. Proverbs 16 verse 9. 
He gives due meat in due season. You know, someone that does not understand what praying is, right? Teaching, what do you understand by praying? You don't even know what it means to pray. But you want to be taught how to heal the sick. Amen? I don't know how that works. But I believe so much that you have to come to a place where you know the basic things, right? Then you are exposed to other things that are yours in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Proverbs 6 verse 9. Say, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Hallelujah. So the Lord is the one responsible for our growth, right? He directs our steps. We must be able to know what God wants us to know at this point in time. Verse 20 and verse 24. Chapter 20, verse 24. Proverbs 20, 24. A man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? In Isaiah 28, verse 9. Whom will he teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from milk, those just drawn from the from the bread's breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precepts, line upon line, upon line. Here a little, there a little. Hallelujah. That is how God trains a man systematically from one line from one precept to another from one level of exposure to another level of exposure amen so as you go to disciple people please don't start teaching them the book of revelation amen don't begin from the book of revelation don't even begin by teaching them how god was killing people in the in in Israel, how the Israelites were used to kill people. You will not do any help. Even though there is a certain level of, you know, exposure of God in those stories, right? But that is not what that person needs at that point in time. Hallelujah. Don't begin to teach, you know, about demons or, you know, there are these kinds of demons, this kind of spirits. Here, people begin to teach about spirits, and the, I don't know whether you finished teaching about the basic things of the faith that you've gone into teaching about spirits and demons. But precept upon precept, line upon line, God brings us into the understanding of His ways. Hallelujah! So we must be patient and trust the process that God is taking us through. Hallelujah! Now, when the disciples has made real progress in his discipleship relationship with the Lord his character his deeds and manner of life and speech shows obviously to those around that he has been with Jesus Acts chapter 4 verse 13 Matthew 26 verse 69 and obviously Mark, Mark, uh, Acts eleven twenty-six. just to write this scripture down when you have done a real work with God when you've made progress in your, in your discipleship with, with God, with the Lord, 
your character will show for it. Your deeds and your manner of life, your speech will show obviously to those around you. See, for you a disciple, right? Remember Pastor K was telling us yesterday that our conduct must show, right? We must not deny the power of what we have inside us by our conduct. So people around us must perceive and know. People must see the light. We are the one that will advertise Christ to the world through our lives. Amen? Through our conduct, through our speech, through our show, show, showing of love, through our speech, through our dressing, through every part of our lives, everything that concerns you concern, is a concern to the Lord. Therefore, a man that has walked with God, it will be obvious that this man has been with the Lord. Hallelujah. So discipleship is there for the sheep that brings the willing volunteer, that is the student, across the ocean of a natural lifestyle. The gulf of fallen nature into the new spiritual lifestyle. You are moved from the place of, you know, carnality into an express manifestation of the spiritual lifestyle. The very life of Christ is demonstrated, is shown from, is shown in you. Not just being a babe in Christ with all the potentials but undeveloped. Amen? Not just being full of potential in you, there's enormous potential in you. You are complete inside. Amen? You are made perfect inside. But it, this perfection is manifested. But becoming full grown man into the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. When any man is born again, he is a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. He has all the potentials of divine nature living within him, but undeveloped and immature. Hallelujah. What did I say? You have the fullness of Christ in you, but you are immature and you are undeveloped. So to become a man in Christ, that Christian must be, be on board this ship that is called discipleship. Hallelujah. Your pathway to spiritual growth and maturity is discipleship. The moment you neglect it, you will not reach that destination of coming to a place where you look like Christ. Amen. So a man or a woman that neglects Discipleship is a, is a one that has resigned from growing. You've made up your mind that you're not going to grow. Because this is a system God has provided that will bring us into maturity. Hallelujah. That is why he gave us a church, the body, for our training, for our equipping. That is why he gave us pastors, he gave us apostles, he gave us prophets, teachers, that they will bring us into this, you know, position where we look like Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so far right now, we are able to understand what discipleship is. So now the question that I want us to answer right now is who is a disciple? Since we've understood what discipleship, all these two days we've been talking about trying to understand the concept of discipleship. What it entails, right? 
Now, who is a disciple? Who is a disciple? Who is a disciple? Now, it's not everybody that is in church that is a disciple. Amen? Do we agree with that? It's not everybody, right, that is in church that is a disciple. As much as we do say that it's not everyone that is in church that is born again, so also it's not everyone that is in church that is a disciple. Hallelujah. Firstly, a disciple is first of all one who has been born again. Amen? Firstly, is one who has been what? Who has been born again. For you to disciple someone, you must be rest assured that that person is truly born again. As you interact with people and you want to disciple them, be, be rest assured that this person is born again. You cannot turn a python into a lizard. Hope you know that one. Right? If you are not born again, there's no how you can become like Christ. Hallelujah. That's why so many times when people come around me, I ask them, tell me, how did you become a Christian? I want to know whether you are truly born again. Tell me about your salvation. What do you mean by I'm born again? And I've had so many stories from people. You know, you know, I want God to make my life better. You know, I've been trusting God for this need of man and this some clumsy, you know, stories that they are good, but that's not the main thing I'm looking for. I want to know how, what do you mean by being born again? Are you truly born again? Do you know what Christ has done? If you don't know what Christ has done, that's where we'll begin. That's where you should begin with people. Begin with them, right? Don't assume that because they are in church, they are born again. Begin from where? From the basic of salvation. Some of them could feel offended. You mean I want salvation? That is where it starts. Hallelujah. Teach them what salvation is. That's where it starts. Even some other, as Pastor Kola was saying yesterday, some people are born again but don't even know what it means fully. That is where it begins. What is salvation? Hallelujah. What it means to be safe. What is the gospel? Because when someone is not acquainted with this knowledge or with, has experienced this, there's no how he will be transformed into the image of Christ. So a disciple is first of all one who has been born again. John chapter 3 verse 1 to 7 was read to us yesterday. We don't need to read it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 13. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 13 to 14. So these things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches but which the Holy Spirit does what teaches. Comparing what spiritual and spiritual. Hallelujah. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? They are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So if you want to disciple someone that is not born again, let me guarantee to you that you will not discern what you are doing. Hallelujah. Because the things you are teaching can only be spiritually discerned. All of those things will be clumsy and stupid and foolish to him. 
Because the things of the spirit can only be discerned by a man that is a spirit. A man that has been brought back to life. A man that is born again. Hallelujah. So except a man is born anew by the spirit, he has no potential to becoming like Jesus. A baby lizard can never grow up to become a crocodile no matter the training. Amen? No matter the training you give to a, to a, to a baby lizard, you can never transform it into a crocodile. Hallelujah. So the doorway into discipleship is first of all to be born again. Even if all the principles of discipleship are applied, a sinner cannot develop by training to become a saint. Amen? You can never be trained into becoming a saint if you are not born again. He has to be born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and will always and ever be flesh. Hallelujah. The natural man cannot see, neither enter the kingdom of, of God. It's mere foolishness to him. So the question we want to ask, to be re-examined, if you are here, is that are you born again? If not, you have no ticket to get on board of this ship we've been talking about. Because a ticket, right, the boarding pass into this school, into this ship that will bring you to the place where you look like Christ, is a ticket of being born again. Hallelujah. And if you don't have it, forget about the journey. You'll be kicked out of the bus. Amen. You can't be on board of this ship. Hallelujah. A disciple is someone that have had rested from sin and the devil. The disciple voluntarily yields his neck under the yoke of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as to be taught and nurtured by him until the disciple become like Christ. Hallelujah. Until you become like Christ. You've been rested. Jesus Christ has done the work of salvation. You are rested from the sin and the consequences of sin. That gives you the ability to come into this, you know, relationship with him. Now, since a servant cannot be cannot have two masters, right? Since a servant cannot be loyal to two masters at a time, a disciple is a man of one focus. Hallelujah. A disciple is what? Is a man of one focus. Under one master, he possesses a single eye. He lives a singular life. He is not an intermix of the natural and the spiritual and must have a clear testimony of what? Of deliverance from sin. The Bible says that you cannot serve two masters. You either love one or you hate the other. Hallelujah. Your focus and your loyalty cannot be to your academics and you want to learn Christ. Are we together? 
your focus and your loyalty cannot be to earthly things and you want to pursue Christ. It's not possible. Amen? It's not possible. And do you know how we know your loyalty to the things of, to anything? Is what you are willing to let go for that thing. Amen? If they put spiritual activity on something that is carnal, which do you pick first? Will show to us where your loyalty is. So if your focus is not Jesus, is not the master, then there's no how you will know him and become him. Hallelujah. I'm speaking to somebody here. If your focus is not Jesus, if what is foiling your, uh, your, your desire is not to know the Lord, is not to walk with him, if what is, is, is channeling, you are channeling your strength towards making money, amen, in fact, even if what is foiling your work with God is ministry, as good as ministry is, you cannot become like Jesus. Hallelujah. Even ministry, as good as it is. Amen. First of all, God calls us into a relationship. It's in that relationship that we, work, that we become ministers. Hallelujah. So ministry cannot even be the focus. Hallelujah. First John chapter 3, verse 5 to 10. First John 3, verse 5 to 10. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Yes, verse 6. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. Verse 10. In these children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Hallelujah. So there will be no intermix between unrighteousness and righteousness if you have actually a disciple, if you are a disciple. Your pursuit will be to live a righteous life. Amen? It's to live the life that brings glory and honor to God. Because there's a distinction between those that are of God and those that are of Satan. You cannot be intermixing and then hoping that what? That you become a disciple. Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. For wherever, for where your treasure is, right? Your heart will be also. 
The next verse. The lamb of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Hallelujah. You cannot serve God and another thing. You cannot serve God and your academics. What I mean by serving God, you know, we are not meant to serve academics, right? You cannot serve God at the same time you are serving money. You cannot serve God and serve any, even relationships. You cannot be a servant to sin and then you are a servant to Christ at the same time. Hallelujah. You must be a man of what? Of one focus. Your loyalty cannot be, you know there are some people that they are loyal to you up until when the benefits which they have they are gaining from you is expired. Then you will know that actually this loyalty is conditional. Hallelujah. So our loyalty to Christ must be must not be shared at all. We can't, we can't say we are loyal to God. We are faithful to following Jesus Christ and something else is consuming our passion. Something else is consuming our time and our resources. We cannot become like Christ like that. So, another point. A disciple is a student who has voluntarily conceded authority to the teacher. You must voluntarily, right? Disciple is someone that has voluntarily, you know, conceded authority to the teacher so that God's purpose might be fulfilled. He has come to the concept, he has come to accept the wisdom of the teacher as the best ever possible for his own life. He is not afraid of anything. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 28 to 29. You've come to a place where Romans 8, 28 to 29 is your reality. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the, who are the call according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So you've come to this place where you know, you've considered authority to God. In this context, when we talk about the teacher here, we're talking about Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. We're talking about who? Jesus Christ is our teacher. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the one discipling us. But of course, through men. Amen. But he has considered, we have to consider our authority to Jesus. And trust everything that everything work together for our good no matter the process he is walking us through no matter the, the the experience he is walking us through everything will work together for our good because he has called us and he has loved us john chapter 6 verse 68 john chapter 6 verse 68 
But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Hallelujah. Do you know the context of this was when people decided Jesus, right? And he turned and he asked them, will you also go away? And the context also is that he was teaching them very hard things. And some of them say, Kai, I thought maybe this following Jesus would be easy. How can you be telling us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? Which kind of teaching is this? This teaching is not exciting. You know, there are no stories. There are no, you know, comedy. It's not, it is not even funny. It's only blood and meat and blood and meat and that was this. Man, if this is how following Jesus is, man, who, 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 can, who can endure this teaching? Who can endure this process? Who can endure this discipleship? And many deserted him, right? And he turned and he asked the disciples. You see, true disciples will stand. Even when they don't understand what is happening. Even when it's, it's beyond their ability. Give me verse, 60, verse 68 and let's, let's see the rest one from verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him. Or rather, give me verse, uh, verse 67, right? Let's see. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to, do you also want to go away? 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go to? Hallelujah. Have you come to a place where this is your confession? To whom shall I go to? You have the words of eternal life. Amen. Eternal life is in Christ Jesus alone. Hallelujah. To whom shall I go to? You have the words of eternal life. Verse 69. Also, we have come to believe. You've come to a place that we believe and know that you are the Christ. Right? The son of the living God. Hallelujah. So we believe. Even though we don't understand, we choose to follow. Hallelujah. We must believe that he knows, now the disciple knows that the teacher knows what he's doing. Amen. We must believe that God knows what he's doing with our lives. He is willing to stay through all the process. He sees everything permitted in his life as divine apparatus to get him conformed into the image of his master whom he loves and highly esteems. You've reached a place where you know that God is involved in everything that concerns your life because you belong to him. Because you belong to him. Who is a disciple? A disciple is not choosy. You know what it means to be choosy? Right? You have options. He does not mind what means the master chooses to hammer him into the desired shape. Have you ever gone to a blacksmith shop and see the metal that has been brought out of fire telling the blacksmith what kind of hammer he will use on him. Huh? Have you ever seen the conversation between the metal that has been brought out of fire negotiating with the blacksmith oh this thing is too heavy, use that one. So you don't choose when you come into this ship that we're talking about. You don't choose what instrument the master uses to deal with your issue. You know what you do? is surrender. 
Hallelujah. It's a life of consistent surrendering to the master. You surrender to his dealings, his method, and his time. His method and his time. Hallelujah. You surrender totally to his method and to his time. Timing and his season. You are not choosy. Job chapter 19 verse 25. Job 19, 25. It says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on earth. The next verse. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know that in, that in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns with him, with me. Hallelujah. This man has been crushed, right? But his desire, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't break per se. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 17. First Corinthians 4, verse 16 to 17. Second rather, second Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Amen? You see, discipleship, right, crushes the flesh, the physical man. Are we together? The physical man is denied some things that he used to enjoy before. Though the outward man, right, is destroyed, but we know that there is a formation that is happening inside the man that is inside is now beginning to manifest in the outside. Hallelujah. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. Hallelujah. Therefore I endure. Therefore I persevere. The disciple accepts joyfully the master's decision as the best in making him become all that the Lord designs him to be. Believes in the love of the master. His confession and persuasion can be summarized in Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. That is the confession of a disciple. He submits to the divine divine hand of God. Oftentimes you don't see, but you submit to it. Molding you, shaping you according to the heavenly pattern. You believe that, you believe and you trust the master. You know him as the only wise God who does everything beautiful in his time. Amen. That is a disciple. That is a disciple. A disciple loves his master. Another point. A disciple does what? He loves his master. He's loyal. He's submissive. He's committed to him. 
and is zealous for his master, for his master's honor and interest at all cost. As a disciple, your zeal is for the master. Your interest is for the master at all cost. At all cost. Your desire is for the master at all cost. Let's look at an example of loyalty. First Chronicles chapter 11. Let's look at an example of a loyalty. First Chronicles 11 verse 15 to 19. First Chronicles 11, 15. Now three of the thirty chief men went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam. And the army of the Lord of the Philistine rather encamped in the valley of Rephaim. David was there in stronghold and the garrison of the Philistine was then in Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Hallelujah. David was not even given an instruction. David was not even asking them to go and do anything. This is what David was said longingly. Oh, that someone will give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the tree broke through the camp of the Philistine, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, David will not drink it, but pour it out to the Lord. And he said, verse 19, Yes, verse 19. I said, For far be it me, O my God, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who have put their lives in jeopardy? For at the risk of their lives they brought it. Therefore, he will not drink it. These things were done by three mighty men. Hallelujah. Now, let me give us, maybe we didn't understand what was happening here. David was in a cave in Adullam. And between them and Beth and, and where the well is, right? Where is the water is longing for are garrisons of military. His enemy is the Philistine. And he was just talking, ha man, if I can just get that kebab I ate in Girne. He was just talking about something that just remembering that you know the experience he had before. He was not even given an instruction. And these three men overheard what he was saying. And the Bible says that they were able to break through, right? They got his him. See, you can't just, it's not that they hide themselves and pass through to go and get the water. You know what it means to defer, to, 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 to break through this garrison of military. It simply means to put your life, they fought through to get this water. And they fought back to bring it back to David. That is how much they love David. That is how much they are loyal to David. That they were willing to lay their life for just a wish of David. Hallelujah. Now I'm bringing it to the Lord. Are we so desirous to know what the desire of God is? A disciple is someone that, is, that loves God so much that at the slightest instinct of knowing what the will of God is, you want to give your all for it. Hallelujah. You want to lay your life for whatever will please the Lord. That is who a disciple is. It's a man that is willing to put his all, his life, his resources, his comfort, 
his pleasure, his satisfaction, his security. Hallelujah. That money you're saving, if God places a demand on it, hmm, will you give it? The school you're schooling, right? If God says, drop this certificate and move to one village, right? And be a missionary there. Will you be willing to drop it? If you've not reached a place where this, there's that willingness, then you've not started the discipleship process. You're not, you're not yet. You see, you've not come. That's that you've not started. The Lord is speaking to somebody here. And when you drop it, right, you're able to say, Lord, right now, I trust you for my life. Will you be able to put that on the line for the sake of honoring and loving God? It is foolishness to the carnal man. It is stupid to any other. You mean you started medicine for this years? And the Lord is saying that, you know, you are going to one village where there's no even hospital. There's no job. You're supposed to go and look for a job. But you've come to this place and know that this is what the Lord is saying right now. And you are willing to commit to what God is saying. Even though it doesn't add up. Hallelujah. See, with God, things will not always add up. At the first instant. Things will not make sense. If you are trying to see it from a sense point, it will never make sense because it is not meant to be understood by senses. Hallelujah. That's not where you start understanding. You must understand his way spiritually. Then bring it to the sense level. Hallelujah. So are we willing to lay down everything and anything for the love of God? Are we willing to? Are we willing to lay down anything because we are loyal? We are loyal to him. Let's look at another example of loyalty. Peter and John. Acts chapter 4 verse 19 to 20. Acts chapter 4 verse 19. A disciple loves his master and is loyal and is submissive and is committed and zealous to his honor. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hallelujah. Pastor Kola was reading the scripture to us yesterday, right? They brought them before the judge, the senate, the sahendrin, right, they are the senate actually, sahendrin, before men of influence. Some of us, when we see what, maybe our doctrine will change. Some of us, when we meet, we meet people of influence, we do not want to behave like Christians. We will compromise our standard because we want to fit in to please the people that are there. Some of us, you know, will not be able to preach righteousness because we want to, want, we want to have fans and people around let me tell you, in this generation, right, 
you can easily have followers on your platforms and social media by talking rubbish. People love rubbish. Hallelujah. Show yourself naked online and you have many followers. Simple. It doesn't take any... It's not something magical to have followers. That's the generation we are today. But will you be willing to speak the truth as these men? For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We are not willing to change because you are powerful men. You know, we can't but, you know, speak. You, do you think it's right to listen to you or to listen to God? That's what they're saying. Between you and God, who do you think is bigger? You are telling us this. We cannot but stop. We can't stop preaching the gospel. Hallelujah. You can't stop us. No amount of money. No intimidation. In fact, the disciples, they are already dead. Hallelujah. They are dead men walking. So you cannot use death to threaten them. Amen. We must come to a place where death, right? It's not a threat. The, the easiest thing, the cheapest thing you threaten me with is death. Let's reach to this level. We were not, we're, see, some of us is shame or simple shame. What, what will people say about my image? A disciple, a disciple does not have any image to protect. Hallelujah. You don't have any image. I don't have any image to show you, you know, so that people will think I'm good or I'm, I don't. I have only one audience that I want to please. Hallelujah. I have only one audience that I want to please. Until we come to this place, then we cannot truly represent God. Let's look at chapter 5 of that same Acts, verse 32. And we are his witnesses to these things. And also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they had this, they were furious and plotted to kill them. That's after they preached, right? Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the, of the law, held in respect by all the people and commandment, and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take it to yourself what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thetius, Thetius rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee, of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for it is planned. For if this plan of this work is of men, to come to nothing. 39. But if it is God, it's of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest you even be found, you know, fighting against God, right? And they agreed with them. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, right, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now let's look at verse 41. 
So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. Hallelujah. For what? Some of us, what makes us rejoice is maybe when we have a lot. Well, these people are rejoicing because they've been beaten. They count it an honor, right, to be beaten for preaching the gospel. Amen. They departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. Ah, some of us, eh? Anything that will bring down our class, we don't want it. Hmm? We don't want it. Anything that will make us feel as if we are not among, we are not current, we are not, uh, we are not, how will I put it? We are not part of what, we are not trending. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. We don't want it. But they saw it as an honor worthy to be counted to suffer shame for his name. Hallelujah. Look at the next verse. This is the same people they beat. And daily in the temple, the same temple, daily in the temple, and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as what? As the Christ. Hallelujah. They threatened them. They put them to shame. They flogged them. They did all manner of things to them. But it didn't stop them from doing what God has called them to do. You see loyalty. You see love. You see commitment. You see desire. Look at another one in Acts. Acts chapter 20. Acts 20 verse 22 to 24. That is Paul, right? Acts 20. And see now, I go bound I go bound in spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things moves me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. Hallelujah. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord, Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. But none of these things, that's what he said, none of these things move me. There are prophecies, right? That every city that you were preaching, they tell you that, see, if you go to this place, chain is awaiting you. They will, they will put you to jail. But he said, none of these things move me. In fact, they only prepare me to go for it. Hallelujah. You know, one challenge we have as young people is the issue of my future. You know, oh, you know, my future, this is my future. Anything you are fighting for is for your future. You know, this is very important for my future. Hallelujah. You know, school is very important for my future. If your future is not Christ, Forget about it. Hallelujah. My future is Christ. Amen. The moment I come to the realization that my future is Christ, I don't have future ambition. Hallelujah. My ambition is Christ. Hallelujah. My dreams is Christ. Amen. Whether I live or I die is Christ. 
My desire is not to be famous. What will fame do for me? What? I don't need fame. I only want to be famous before Christ. Hallelujah. My desire is not to be on list. Let me be rich in Christ. Hallelujah. My desire is not to, to, be, to be so, so educated and climb to the highest level of educational qualification. My desire is to know Christ. Hallelujah. Can that be somebody's desire and somebody's hunger where we place our loyalty, our cost, and everything that we are in the pursuit of this man that has given us everything to know him. Amen. To learn him, to become him. Your future is Jesus. Now let me say, let me read this in conclusion, then we pray. There is a lot we will talk about discipleship. But let me read this, then we conclude when we pray. Discipleship is a process, summarizing. Discipleship, therefore, is a process of reproducing the life of the master in the apprentice. Right? Imparting the life of a teacher in the pupil. It is a process designed by God to make every one of his children to be conformed to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a lifelong relationship and it is systematic and cumulative. These are all the things we've been saying, right? In this relationship, a disciple voluntarily yields his neck under the yoke of the master, knowing and being persuaded that all things work together for good to them that love God. When any man is born again, he has all the potentials of the divine nature living within him, but undeveloped and immature. To become the man, to become a man in Christ, every Christian must be on board this ship that we call discipleship. Can you truly say right now, as you are seated, that you are a disciple. Hallelujah. Can you truly say right now, as you are seated, that you are a disciple? If you look at what discipleship, if you understand what, the, what, it, that, what process it, it entails to be called a disciple, we try to look at who a disciple is. And we said a lot of things about who a disciple is. Right now, where you are, can you look at yourself and say, Yes, I, I, I am in this process. I have yielded myself to this process. I've committed myself to this process. I've built my, I've, I've aligned myself to this process. Oh, you're still fighting with other things. Close your eyes and speak to God. Close your eyes and speak to God at this moment. This is the only way. I wish there's another method. I wish there's another way that we can become like Christ. That we can manifest the fullness of what he has given us. See, we will begin, see, what we're doing here is teaching you how to bring out that which is in you. Training you in what God has already put in you. We will begin to manifest later on the manifestation of the spirit. This is training. Without you being trained, you cannot know that these things are in you. 
You cannot even practice them. That is the essence of discipleship in the church. That you come to the realization of all the things that are in you in Christ Jesus. As you know Christ, you know yourself. You know the riches that is in Christ Jesus. Some of you have been rebellious. God has been talking to you, but you've not been yielding. Can you speak to God right now? Can you speak to God right now? Speak to God right now.